This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of orthopedic implants from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. Characteristics of orthopedic implants depends on material properties and structural properties, which are two important topics that we will discuss separately in more detail in two separate podcast episodes. In this episode, we will discuss screws, plate properties, plate variations, intramedullary nails, external fixators, and total hip implants. As far as screws, let's talk about a few basic concepts. Pitch is defined as the distance between the screw threads. Lead is defined as the distance advanced with one revolution of the screw. Screw working distance, or length, is defined as the length of bone traversed by the screw. Then you have the outer diameter and root or inner diameter of the screw. Remember that bending strength is proportionate to the inner or minor diameter to the third power. Pullout strength is proportionate to the outer or major diameter to the second power. This pullout strength is maximized by the large outer diameter difference as well as a fine pitch. Pedicle screw pullout is most affected by the quality of bone or the degree of osteoporosis. As far as types of screws, the three main ones are cortical screws, cancellous screws, and locking screws. Now, let's talk about plate properties. A plate is a load-bearing device that is most effective when placed on the tension side of the bone. The plate working distance is the length between the two screws closest to the fracture on each end of the fracture. Decreasing the working distance increases the stiffness of the fixation construct. As far as the structural properties of a plate, Bending rigidity is proportional to thickness to the third power, and remember that titanium has a Young's modulus of elasticity that most closely approximates cortical bone. Those are important points, so I'll say them again. Bending rigidity is proportional to thickness to the third power, and titanium has a Young's modulus of elasticity that most closely approximates cortical bone. With respect to the biomechanics of plates, two important concepts to talk about are absolute stability and relative stability. Absolute stability refers to constructs that heal with primary haversion healing. You must eliminate micromotion with lag screw fixation in order to achieve absolute stability, and there must be low strain at the fracture site with high fixation stiffness. Relative stability refers to constructs that heal with endochondral healing, and remember that strain rates must be less than 10%, or fibrous union will predominate. Moving on to plate variations, the options include concave plates, compression plates, locking plates, and bridging plates. Concave plates place a concave bend on a plate which is useful in transverse fractures to ensure compressive forces occur on both the far and near cortices of the fracture. Compression plates work by placing a cortical screw eccentrically into an oval hole in the plate. Moving on to locking plates, the advantages of locking plates are that locked plate-slash-screw constructs compared to non-locked plate-slash-screw constructs result in less angulation in comminuted metaphyseal fractures. The indications for locking plate technology include indirect fracture reduction, diaphyseal-slash-metaphyseal fractures in osteoporotic bone, bridging severely comminuted fractures, plating of fractures where anatomical constraints prevent plating on the tension side of the bone, for example, short segment fixation. As far as locking plate screw biomechanics, bicortical locking screws have significantly more resistance to all applied forces, with resistance to torsion increased the most, versus unicortical screws. Unicortical locking screws have less torsion fixation strength than non-locking bicortical constructs. 
with respect to percutaneous locking plates, application has less soft tissue stripping but a higher chance of malunion. Hybrid locked plates utilize locking and non-locking screws in order to assist with fracture reduction with non-locking screws as well as provide a fixed angle construct with locking screws. Locking plate construct stability increases with bicortical locking screws, increased number of screws, screw divergence from screw hole that is less than 5 degrees, and using a longer plate. Finally, bridging plates provide relative stability, relative length, and alignment. They preserve the blood supply to the fracture fragments as the fracture site is undisturbed during the operative procedure. This theoretically improves secondary bone healing. Bridging plates also allow some motion at the fracture site. And remember that relative stability leads to callus formation. Now let's talk about intramedullary nails, which are load-sharing devices. With respect to structural properties of intramedullary nails, we need to discuss torsional rigidity and bending rigidity. Torsional rigidity is defined as the amount of torque needed to produce torsional or rotational deformation. This is proportional to the radius to the fourth power and depends on shear modulus as well as the polar moment of inertia. Torsional rigidity is increased by reaming and decreased by the slotting of the nail. Bending rigidity is proportional to the radius to the fourth power for a solid nail. The area moment of inertia of a solid cylinder is defined as I equals pi over 4 times the radius to the fourth power. The bending rigidity is approximately proportional to the radius to the third power for a hollow nail, and the area moment of inertia of a hollow cylinder is defined as I equals pi over 4 times R2 to the fourth power minus R1 to the fourth power, where R1 is the inner radius and R2 is the outer radius. Bending rigidity depends on material properties like Young's modulus of elasticity of a material and structural properties like the area moment of inertia as well as the length. With respect to radius of curvature, an intramedullary nail's radius of curvature is greater or straighter than the radius of curvature of the femur. As far as interlocking options, dynamic locking should be used for axially and rotationally stable fractures. Static locking should be used for axially and rotationally unstable fractures, and secondary dynamization should be used for non-union. This means removing the proximal interlocking screw or moving the proximal interlocking screw from the static to the dynamic slot. Moving on to external fixators, factors that increase stability of conventional external fixators include contact of the ends of the fracture, larger diameter pins, which is the most important, additional pins, decreased bone-to-rod distance, pins in different planes, increasing size or stacking rods, rods in different planes, and increased spacing between pins. Factors that increase stability of a circular or Elizarov external fixator includes larger diameter wires, decreasing ring diameter, olive wires, extra wires, wires crossing perpendicular to each other, increased wire tension, placement of two central rings close to the fracture, and an increased number of rings. Finally, let's talk about total hip implants. With respect to structural properties, rigidity depends on the length and radius of the femoral stem. As far as biomechanics, place the femoral component in neutral or slight valgus to reduce the moment arm and stress on the cement. Increasing femoral offset does the following. The advantages are that it moves the abductor moment away from the center of rotation, it increases the abductor moment arm and reduces abductor force required for a normal gait. Disadvantages include increased strain on the implant and increased strain on the medial cement mantle. 
Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question reads, what method of spinal fixation requires the largest force to disrupt the bone implant interface? And the choices are one, sublaminar cables, two, laminar hooks, three, pedicle hooks, and four, pedicle screws. The correct answer to this question is four, pedicle screws. So pedicle screws have been established to produce a superior bone implant interface in the non-osteoporotic spine, according to numerous studies. But interestingly, clinical outcomes using the varied implants have not been different. Moving on to the next question. Of the following variables, which has the strongest influence on external fixator stiffness? And the choices are one, pin diameter, two, pin spread, three, bone quality, four, stacking a second fixator bar, and five, distance from the bone to the fixator bar. So the correct answer to this question is one, pin diameter. Whereas all of the factors will have an impact on frame rigidity and stability, the single biggest factor is the pin diameter because it has an exponential effect. Moving on to the next question, which of the following clinical scenarios represents the strongest indication for locked plating technique in a 70-year-old woman? And the choices are one, segmentally comminuted ulnar fracture, two, simple diaphyseal fracture of the humerus, three, transverse mid-shaft displaced clavicle fracture, four, periprosthetic femur fracture distal to a well-fixed total hip arthroplasty, and five, Schatzker II fracture of the tibia with severe joint depression and comminution. But the correct answer to this question is four, periprosthetic femur fracture distal to a well-fixed total hip arthroplasty. So locking screw fixation is a relatively new option in the armamentarium of orthopedic surgeons treating fractures. The understanding of the biomechanics, implications to healing, and optimal indications and surgical techniques is still in evolution. A periprosthetic proximal femur fracture with a stable prosthesis is best treated with open reduction and internal fixation with locking proximal fixation with or without cerclage cables. Diaphyseal fractures treated with compression plating or bridge plating can be treated well with conventional implants unless osteoporosis is severe. An AO-OTA B-type partial articular fracture is also better suited to standard buttress plating with periarticular rafting lag screws. Locking fixation is not always required for a transverse displaced mid-shaft clavicle fracture. Moving on to the next question. A surgeon is planning the application of a single-plane external fixation construct as provisional fixation for an unstable knee dislocation. There are two pin sizes available, one with twice the diameter of the other. The bending stiffness of the larger pin is greater than that of the smaller by a factor of which of the following? And the choices are 1, 2, 2, 4, 3, 8, 4, 16, and 5, 32. So the correct answer to this question is 4, 16. So the increase in bending stiffness is proportional to the radius to the fourth power. So doubling results in an increase by a factor of 16. Moving on to the next question. In a locking plate screw construct, axial forces are borne by which of the following? And the choices are 1, the plate, 2, screw closest to the fracture, 
three screw most distal to the fracture, four bone plate interface, and five the opposite cortex. So the correct answer to this question is one, the plate. So in a traditional plate system, fracture security depends on the friction between the plate and the underlying bone. Bicortical fixation will decrease the toggle and improve stability. Locking plates absorb axial forces transmitted from the screws. Such plates do not require plate compression against the bone, thus preserving periosteal blood supply. Moving on to the next question. Hybrid locked plating for distal femoral fractures refers to the use of non-locked and locked screws in the same construct. The advantages of using the combination of non-locked and locked screws in both the proximal and distal fragments are that non-locked screws, and the choices are one, non-locked screws placed prior to locked screws allow use of the plate as a reduction aid and locked screws provide fixed angle support to resist varus collapse. Two, non-locked screws placed after locked screws allow use of the plate as a reduction aid and locked screws provide improved fixation in osteoporotic bone. Three, non-locked screws provide bicortical fixation and locked screws provide improved fixation in osteoporotic bone. Four, non-locked screws provide bicortical fixation and locked screws provide fixed angle support to resist varus collapse. And five, non-lock screws provide better fixation in the diaphysis, and lock screws provide better fixation in the distal fragment. So the correct answer to this question is one, non-lock screws placed prior to lock screws allow use of the plate as a reduction aid, and lock screws provide fixed angle support to resist varus collapse. So hybrid locked plating refers to the use of non-locked and lock screws in the same fixation construct. Hybrid plating offers the advantages of both traditional plating and locked plating. Non-locked screws are inserted first to lag the bone to the plate, thereby using the plate as a reduction tool. After fixation with non-locked screws in both the proximal and distal fragments, lock screws can be added. Lock screws in the distal fragment create a fixed angle device that is resistant to varus collapse. Lock screws in the diaphyseal fragment are indicated when there is associated osteoporosis. And moving on to the final question, an adolescent patient is treated with a 6mm solid intramedullary nail. Compared to a 12mm solid nail of the same material, the 6mm nail has, and the choices are 1, 1 half the torsional rigidity, 2, 1 fourth the torsional rigidity, 3, 1 sixteenth the torsional rigidity, 4, 1 eighth of the torsional rigidity, and 5, the same torsional rigidity. So nail radius affects nail bending and torsional rigidity. For a solid circular nail, the torsional rigidity is proportional to the fourth power of the radius. Thus, a nail with one-half the diameter, that is 6 millimeters compared to 12 millimeters, and therefore half the radius, 3 millimeters compared to 6 millimeters, would have one-half to the fourth power, which equals one-sixteenth the torsional rigidity. So the correct answer to this question is three, one-sixteenth the torsional rigidity. That's all for this review about orthopedic implants. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, 
please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.